Well, Russia today continues to defend its actions in Ukraine, its invasion of Ukraine. The Russian embassy here in Canada released a pretty scathing letter. Uh, Russia's foreign minister continued to defend his country as well, saying it was a preemptive move against an imminent attack by Ukraine upon Russia. Uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says the attack was a defensive measure and called for diplomacy with the West to avoid escalation. As we uh, take the measures announced by the president uh, to ensure the security of the country and the Russian uh, people, uh, we certainly would always be uh, ready for a dialogue which will bring us back to justice and the principles of the United Nations Charter. Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, uh, Russia's foreign minister. Meanwhile, Russians took to the street in fairly significant numbers today in more than 50 cities to voice their opposition to the invasion of Ukraine. It's estimated some 1,700 people were arrested, including nearly 1,000 in Moscow alone as police put a stop to it. I believe we have some audio of that as well. Again, it takes a lot of courage to protest in Russia. Uh, having witnessed it myself, it takes a lot of courage to go out on the street. So many people today, again, some 1,700 arrested, nearly 1,000 in Moscow alone. So has Vladimir Putin underestimated the opposition to this invasion? Will it last? Does he care? Joining me now is Catherine Stoner, a senior fellow at the Stanford University Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies and author of Russia Resurrected. Welcome back. We spoke very recently when we talked about what if, and now I suppose we're going to talk about what now? Um, have you been surprised by what's unfolded in the last 24 hours? I don't know anybody who hasn't been um, surprised. I think even, uh, I mean, this is the worst case scenario. The, the sort of more optimistic or hopeful scenario was that this invasion would be limited to uh, the, the uh, Luhansk and Donetsk, so-called People's Republics, those two provinces in eastern Ukraine, uh, but they have obviously, this has obviously gone far, far beyond that to a full invasion of the, the country and evidently an effort to try to decapitate its democratically elected government. You spent a long time watching Vladimir Putin. Um, what calculation has he made here and do you think it can be changed? Uh, I think the calculation is that, over, you know, they'll use overwhelming force uh, that, you know, um, the United States, which is the you know largest, most capable military in the world, can match Russia's um, reformed and very capable military, is unwilling to put boots on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Ukraine is not a member of NATO, wasn't even a candidate for membership um, when Russia invaded. Um, and so, you know, uh, we, if we're not willing to do that, then the best tools we have are sanctions and some um, uh, trade uh, restrictions, which is going to cost Russia a lot, but they'll take time to kick in. And so in that time, I think uh, his, his calculus is that the uh, Russian military will have done its job and um, they will basically be burrowed in and begin to absorb Ukraine. With the protests we saw today in Russia, I know those may not last, but we did see some opposition on the streets today with clearly a fairly united Ukraine against the idea of having Russian rule again. It's just, it strikes me as something of a Pyrrhic victory for him if he ends up in what may look like, not to use a a terrible comparison, but what may look like Baghdad again for him. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, so far uh, the, the, the cities that they have attacked have, have not been raised to the ground. And that was certainly a worry. And I guess we'll just see what happens there. Um, in terms of the protests in his own country, I actually thought your question was going to go in a different direction. Those are quite encouraging. I mean, uh, 50 cities um, across Russia, 1,700 arrests. So you can imagine that the multiple, uh, uh, you know, the multiples of, of that were on the street. So that's that's a lot of people. Um, they did, you know, the, the government did anticipate this, but, and, and my, my, uh, own sources have told me that they, that you know there were um, national guard or um, anti riot troops in in um, some places in in Moscow uh, appeared before the actual protesters did so right. you know uh, evidently determined to repress those as much as possible but you know this there could be enough people in Russia who are waking up to this and and beginning to call it the Kremlin's war not not Russia's war and it is a big risk for Mr Putin domestically I think. We'll see how much repression he's willing to use, but can't shoot them all. No, agreed. And one of the things, I mean, clearly Russia's view of Ukraine is not one of a lethal, you know, sworn enemy. I mean, they've always, uh, I remember one of the things that struck me the last time I was in Moscow was that people kept taking us to Ukrainian restaurants um, or Georgian restaurants. Um, but there is a bond between those two countries. And one wonders whether Russians can be brought over Um you know, can be won over that this is a just war if, if it starts to drag out and there are people, you know, there are dead soldiers are coming, you know, there are deaths and so on. Yeah. And, and that will happen, of course. Um, but, you know, the, the most of the media is state controlled. So how much the Russian public gets to see that unless they see it on the Internet? And, and there is good Internet penetration uh, across the country. So some will definitely see it there. Um, I, that is, uh, you know, that the, the sort of bond between Ukrainian and, and Russian people um, was something that uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the, the democratically elected president of Ukraine, did point out in his uh, his short speech yesterday where he began in Ukrainian and then he switched to Russian and addressed the Russian people directly and said, you know, you know us, you know we're not um, aggressive, you know that we're not Nazis. Um, he, and he mentioned that his grandfather actually fought uh, for the Soviet Union in the Second World War. He himself is Jewish, so it is hard to be a Jewish Nazi. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's, he is also a, um, a comedian. He had a very, very popular television show called Servant of the People, uh, and that broadcast into Russia. So, you know, Russians will, will know him. It's almost I'm not quite like seeing Jerry Seinfeld or Larry David, but, but a little bit like that, um, his relationship with, with the Russian audience as well. We'll see if you know this makes any any difference. But um, how long Russian the Russian people believe this line out of the Kremlin that you know there's there are Nazis and there's genocide being committed in Ukraine? I think is a very very open question. And Mr. Putin may be you know uh, taking a little too much risk. May have gone too far this time. Do you sense that the sanctions that have been announced so far will do anything to put pressure on Vladimir Putin from really the only people who could effectively, uh, you know, put pressure, a lot of pressure on him, which is people around him? Mm -hmm. um, so we we don't see evidence of that just yet. And this will take some time to kick in. Um, th these are really very, very far ranging sanctions, especially what was announced today, um, really unprecedented for especially an economy this 
size. Uh, that actually, the Russian economy is about the size of the Canadian economy. Uh, geographically, Russia is bigger than Canada, but uh, it's, uh, it's the largest country geographically in the world. Um, but it's not a small economy. Um, and what they did today was essentially economic warfare. It's uh, really dramatic, powerful, very um, aimed at, at the, some of the biggest financial institutions in Russia. This is going to affect regular people as well as very wealthy people who uh, are, you know, have already been prevented from easily accessing any assets they have in the UK or, or in the United States. Um, so I don't think that the sanctions are designed to stop him, uh, but they may uh, uh, stop going much further if, if, you know, there is some pressure put on him either by folks around him immediately in his small circle uh, or more Russian people out on the street, which Putin really hates, does not like that. Um, but it's hard to protest in Russia. You have to be very brave to do it. But there are very, very many thousands of brave people across Russia willing to do it today. It was impressive. I, I've been to a Russian protest, and I was, I was I, obviously coming from a place like Canada. I was shocked by how fast and how violently it was broken up, uh, or at least how methodically and violently it was broken up, because there was nothing chaotic about it. It was very organized and very quick. Um, do you, when you look at the sanctions themselves, I guess the one thing that that always comes to mind is where is there enough dry? Do they have enough left now to continue? Are there more sanctions to come if Putin goes further? Yes, I think there are more things that that uh, we we can do and, and will do. Um, the one thing, you know, one thing that wasn't done was cutting Russia off from the SWIFT um, uh, banking system, which is really just a system of communications um, to to basically tell banks to move money from one place to another. Um, arguably, and this is certainly what President Biden said, what they did was uh, was um, worse than cutting Russia off from SWIFT um, in that they sort of cut the money flow between, you know, some of Russia's biggest banks. And again, they controlling, you know, transactions for 80 to 90% of the economy. They also sanctioned Gazprom. Um, Gazprom has banks under it. It has media companies under it. Um, so it's, it's pretty far reaching what, what they did today. Um, they uh, were also giving more support to the Ukrainians. Uh, I, I think Canada is doing the same, uh, giving them more lethal weapons to defend themselves, um, you know, offering money and support and training for people uh, who end up coming into Poland and Poland has opened its borders. So I know a lot of Ukrainians are now trying to cross that border. They just have to get there. Um, and then we can we can impose more export controls uh, certainly, and then we can, you know, prevent average Russians uh, and high-level Russians from uh, traveling. I'm back with Catherine Stoner, a senior fellow at Stanford University's Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies. I'm just watching, uh, there's actually a live camera of uh, Maidan Square, where those uh, protests were all held back in 2014. Sun is up this morning in Kiev. Uh, there's some traffic on the streets. Um but the attack continued for a second night. One of the questions that's come up a lot, Catherine, of late is, would Ukraine be the end of this offensive uh, on Russia's mm -hmm. part? Or do you see any threat to neighbors, um, even NATO nations? Um, I think I, if I were in Moldova, I'd be a little concerned right now um, out, out on the western um, border of Ukraine. Um, 
that there are Russian troops there in a in a breakaway region uh, called Transnistria. Um, you know, uh, they've also had uh, some liberalization of their government in the in the last few years, and that seems to be really what set this off with Putin. So that's a concern. Um, I think Belarus is is already on, uh, you know, effectively a vassal of of Russia. Um, Mr. Lukashenko, the president there, um, uh, faced big uh, protests last year over um, uh, an election that was he stole. Basically, he lost and then declared himself the winner, um, and so has become dependent on, on Putin since. Um, and remember that that the some of the military was staged uh, uh, in Belarus and then uh, has just come across the Belarusian Ukrainian border. Um, but before that, they were ostensibly doing exercises with the Belarusian military, and there have been reports of Belarus uh, that that military participating in what's going on in in Ukraine. So those those you know two I, I think Belarus is effectively gone. Um, Moldova, they're probably nervous. Uh, and then, you know, you think of Georgia, where Russia did something uh, similar in uh, 2008 with uh, South Ossetia and Abkhazia, two uh, republics within Georgia that Russia now occupies. Uh, they, they've done, it's the same playbook. They, they handed out uh, passports to um, uh, inhabitants there who are Russian speaking after uh, occupying those regions. So, you know, Georgia is sitting there and theoretically this this could happen to them uh, as well. Similar situation with their government. They have a, you know, an unsteady kind of democracy um, and uh, it, it, it not as not as uh, highly pluralistic, I suppose, as Ukraine's. But, uh, you know, they've got to be feeling nervous, too. What about. I mean, there there are several countries. The, you think of the Poland's, uh, the Balk, the Balk, the Baltics, rather. Um, you know, Romania, Bulgaria. You th- you think of all the NATO nations. Um, do you think that is that is a red line for for Vladimir Putin as well? Do you think he's that's a line he will not cross? I think it is. Um, you know, I I I think that the problem with NATO expansion has has been uh, weakening uh, potentially the Article Five commitment, which is. Uh, an attack against one member is viewed as an attack against all. And so there's an obligation to come to the defense of that member. And, and you know, um, in Afghanistan, our NATO allies actually joined the United States there because of Article 5. So that means that if Russia were to uh, send troops over the border of Estonia, Latvia, or Lithuania, those three Baltic republics, mm-hmm or Poland and Romania, we would be obligated, that is NATO, um, to uh, view that as attack, an attack on us and then come in and defend. I think that Mr. Putin still thinks that uh, there's, there's credibility in Article 5, especially when it comes to the Baltic republics, the Baltic states, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, that have also been independent now for over 30 years since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, they were incorporated into the Soviet Union in 1939. So argue, you know, that uh, anyway, we would theoretically, yes, NATO would be obligated. I don't think he would risk that um, because, I, I, you know, we, we, we may well send troops in and certainly we're sending more NATO forces to those areas and to Poland and Romania just to try to deter. Um, but if the Russians wanted to do that, certainly they could. Um, but, 
you know, there is the Article 5 commitment, which isn't there for Ukraine. As a last question, I mean, where do you think this stops now for Russia uh, at this point? Now that you've seen what's unfolded in the last uh, 24 hours or so, what do you think the end game is here and how and can it be negotiated? I don't think so. Uh, I think the end game is to topple this uh, government, uh, to change the political system in Ukraine from democracy to uh, a controlled uh, political system uh, that uh, is a puppet of uh, Putin's government. Um, and I purposely want to say Putin's government because it's not at all clear this is Russia's war as much as it's the Kremlin's war. Um, and I, I, I think, um, you know, there is a possibility he may have overplayed his hand with his own people. Uh, and he's, he's really, you know, shown himself quite willing today to use repressive tools, as you mentioned at the, at the top of this segment, that mm-hmm. 1,700 people had been arrested and, and uh, most of those in Moscow, 50 cities uh, protesting. That's pretty brave. And so we'll see, you know, if there are strength in numbers, if more people come out onto the streets, uh, that, that may, you know, slow this down, potentially stop it. But I think the goal here is pretty obvious, which is to, to completely uh, try to absorb Ukraine. And Catherine, always interesting that your source is telling you that uh, that police were there before the protesters were. Uh, so yeah. that, uh, of course, these are being announced on social media, I believe. So that's how these rallies are being put together. So, uh, or at least these these protests. So presumably, police are watching those very closely as well. Catherine Sorter, is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your insight tonight. Thank you for having me.